Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Well-Fed Business Podcast with I, Connor Benham. Check out the grammar there. And the evil bald genius. And in today's episode, we're going to tell you exactly how to raise your prices without losing sales, uh, how to deal with price objections uh, so you can be securing sales without giving those gouging discounts, and what your pr- prospects really want. And uh it's not a low price. But before we get on into all of that, I want to talk to the adults in the room. We're opening the door soon for Core Control Elite. This is our, our top end mastermind where we meet up four times a year in Cork. If you want the details on that, go to wellfedbusiness.com forward slash elite dash waitlist. We're currently building up the waitlist because there's going to be a bit of a rush when the doors open on April 3rd. And this is a message, as I said, just for the big boys and girls with big boy girl businesses that want to be belong to a community of a small community when letting no more than four more people in. We've already got four, so no more than eight. And they want to belong to a community of pretty smart individuals, if I say so myself. The elites are pretty good guys, aren't they, John? Nah. You hate them. Bunch of wankers. No, they are. <laughs> I mean, testament to all this is I've been running this group for 10 years coming this coming October. And there are people in it who've been in for nearly since the beginning. The last founding members um, dropped out about a year ago. I've had people come to these meetings from all over the world. And we're talking Australia, New Zealand, the Philippines, Qatar, the UAE, um, Canada. Uh, Norway and obviously the UK they come to Cork four times a year to sit with me in a room and get grilled by me personally um, so it's not for the faint-hearted it's not cheap but as usual we give our double money back guarantee if you do the fucking work but yeah it is for big boys and girls only all right this is not for tire kickers this is not for people who are going to say yeah but can't afford it all right if you think you can't afford it don't even bother looking at the page because you really can't you know yeah, <laughs> yeah. If, if that thought crosses your mind, it's a waste of mind, electrons. No, yeah, it's a waste of your mental energy because uh, not only do you have to pay your dues, we're also going to be inv- asking you and helping you invest in rather expensive advertising, building new systems and processes, and in some cases, completely tearing down businesses and rebuilding them from the ground up. And all of this costs money. It costs money, but it's an investment because it pays itself back. You know, our, our goal is, indeed, our goal with core control as well, to be fair, but our aim with Elite in particular is to stop, to get you making enough um, traceable, measurable, attributable money extra within the first 30 to 60 days. So basically your membership is better than free. This is not something where we say, yeah, wait five years and you'll get your payback. You'll get your payback pretty much straight away. With the single single provisor, you do the work. Yeah. But with that being said, don't join the group and then start pissing and moaning because we ask you to spend 100 quid a month on a, a proper email system or something. That's not the no. sort of people we're looking for. We're looking for people willing, ready, and able to invest. But yeah. I love the elite meetings. There's nothing more fun than making a grown man cry, is there, John? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's there's no two ways about it. It's it's a particular kind of person joins elite, which is why there's quite an involved application process, two stages, and we do 
turned people away. Hey, I've turned people away after they set up their direct debit because they've pissed me off. The money's been there with me to grab and I've just said, no, I'm going to cancel your direct debit. We've not taken anything yet. Don't bother me again. So, of course, he bothered me again. And my reply was, it was a long apology. Then tell me what you've decided. And I just replied, <laughs> what part of don't bother me again do you find hard to understand? <laughs> you know, it's that fucking serious. Well, the thing is, people talk about stuff and share stuff with us in Elite. They won't even share with their spouses. That That's kind of the purpose of the group. It's a very, I hate to use this phrase, but it's a very safe space, isn't it? It's a very safe space. Completely but it's not gentle. No. Yeah, it's, 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 it's free of judgment and criticism and the rest of it, but it's not gentle. Please don't think it's gentle. Yeah, this isn't like a, a vanilla sex club. This is a proper BDSM orgy where, you know, <laughs> we're rough, but they're well, safe that, words. That comes later. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, oh, should we crack God. on with the podcast? We do. We, so first and foremost, I want to talk about Raising prices without losing sales, because whenever didn't we, have a, didn't we have a question to answer first? Oh, uh, we, we're getting into that shortly. Oh, okay. we're to, to, more towards the All end right. of the episode, we've got a whole little little, little right. section talking about the wonderful members Look, in our I've, bronze I've community. Got a, I've got I've got things to do. You see, I, I've got to go up to court and fetch an old lady from the airport. This is the same old lady whose bush I trimmed a couple of summers ago with a strimmer. Oh, that lady. That lady. That lady. You got paid handsomely for that as well. I, I didn't get paid. No, I didn't get paid. But I, I, I trimmed her bush for free. That's you dirty do. bastard. <laughs> oh, I'll tell you a funny story before we start, right? Go she on. said to, she said to Sarah, would, would John come and help me move a plant pot? It's, it's too heavy. I can't move it. Yeah, all right. So I rolled up to her house. And got, she's got this. Yeah, it is a big fucking plant pot. And it's full of potting stuff. And she says, I says that. She says, yeah. And I said, okay, right. So I fucking braced my back and I got a grip thinking this is going to be heavy. And I lifted and the fucking thing went flying up in the air. I nearly went, I nearly went backwards. It weighed practically nothing. And I'm thinking, Christ, you're fucking weak, aren't you? She couldn't move it. And I was oh, expecting something heavy. Oh, she's probably 75. Well, yeah, we can't expect 75. Yeah, I know, I know, but it was, I wasn't really as... thinking. But I went, Phew! I just wasn't expecting it. I'm, I am very strong. Certainly like, stronger uh, than a seventy-five-year-old lady. Have, have you You'd ever seen so, those? You, you would bloody hope so. Um, One good have you thrust those... to break a spine. Oh god, and the rest. <laughs> <laughs> One thrust down there, and you crack in her skull. Have you ever seen those like prank videos where they're getting people to really like push? Like they've got their hand there, and they're like push up, push up against my hand. And then they remove their hand and they whack them. They whack themselves straight in the face. That's uh, kind of how I imagine it was with you and this plant. Like it, it was honestly, I could have done myself a serious fucking injury. Actually, anyway, carry on to the okay to, to so, the topic at hand. Often, 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 when we talk to the uh, the uneducated, and it's not their fault because they haven't been taught this. This is not conventional wisdom. The conventional wisdom is if you want to make more sales, you have to cut your prices. Because people think that's the only thing that matters. So we want to talk about how to raise your prices without losing sales because it's one of the first things we get people to do. We're like, right, let's get those prices up. And often they say rather rather, rather squeamishly, but won't I lose sales? Well, I want to add something here. I want to add a caveat to this. You will lose some sales, probably. 
but they are the sales you want to lose because you don't want to be selling to price buyers. I want to be very clear about that. Price buyers are the second worst clients you'll ever get. The first worst clients are enthusiastic ones, um, but that's a different topic. So yeah, it's how to raise your prices without losing customers or clients or sales, except the ones you want to lose because working with them would be worse than having your foreskin cleaned with a wire brush. Mm -hmm. And the price increase more than makes up for the lost sales. I mean, I can show people the maths, but uh, I've got a I've got a handy graph somewhere that shows um, it's it's a graph of your price increase, your profit increase, and how many sales you need to make to maintain where you are. And it, it the numbers are ridiculous. Now you can lose about a quarter of your sales on a ten percent price increase and s still stay where you are. You know, it's it's stupid. Uh, I don't remember the numbers offhand, but it, it's wildly disproportionate to what you would think. Yeah, incredibly so. Something that people fail to realize is, especially when you start working with us and you put your prices up, you're probably going to maintain that same sales rate because you introduced a proper choreographed sales process from lead generation to sale. You know, you, you, you stop winging it. Where beforehand, every step of the way, you're, you're, you're getting ad hoc referrals, you're getting ad hoc leads from your website. There's no systemized way of generating those lead leads with proper, properly designed lead magnets that properly call out the exact sort of person that you're looking for. Um, then we get you to introduce all of this email nurturing. Then all of a sudden, you've got scripts for every sales point, every touch sales point. My God, people are going to be more than happy to pay the higher prices when when they go through such a delicate, well-choreographed process. And even before we do that, we just get you to increase your prices. Because what you, what you fail to understand is, bearing in mind what Connor's just said, this is all predicated on selling to the right people. Well, the right person for your product or service isn't going to quibble at 10% increase in price. If they are, you're not aiming it at the right person or you're aiming it in the wrong way. Good example, I always use this because it's a really good one, is my eyes. Okay, they charged me, it was basically 8,000 euro, including the hospital stay for my eyes because I was going blind. All right now I've got better than 2020 vision. Well, they charged me eight grand. If they'd have charged me 8,800, do you think I would have said, oh, no, no, that 800 euro is a, a, a showstopper? I'll, I'll, I'll sit in the dark, thanks very much, forever. You know? No, no. it's not like that. You know, if yeah. people want want it, the 10% is irrelevant. Yeah, 10% is completely irrelevant. Combine that with a proper choreographed sales process, you're fucking laughing. I don't know how many times we have to say it, but if you're winging sales opportunities and you believe you're better without some form of structure, you're kidding yourself. You're absolutely kidding yourself. Oh, it's ego. It's pure ego. Ego, ego it's fear protection. as well. Well, yeah, but the, the fear comes from the ego. People's, when, we, when we talk about ego, and, and this is huge in core control, by the way, it's one of the first things we talk about, let go of your ego. Because ego isn't just, I mean, when we talk about ego, we think of some Essex wide boy in his BMW mouthing it off. But it's not. Ego is, you know, if you, if you are afraid on LinkedIn of, say, posting something because of what people might think, or you, or you even post yourself, and I've seen this many times, I don't want people to think I'm being salesy. That's ego, because you're worried about what other people think of you. You want to appear a certain way to others. Hey, that's ego. Now, if I, I would recommend to all of you, you get comfortable with the idea 
of being not okay in front of others. Be like Peter Falk, Columbo. Dirty raincoat, slightly disheveled hair, smoking, seemed a bit stupid and scatty, but he always caught his man. That was quite deliberate, and it's a bit of a caricature. But get comfortable with being not okay in front of everyone. Be the least okay person in the room. So, you know, maybe have your sweatshirt like now or your shirt, and maybe your tie's a bit wonky. Maybe you've got a food stain on your collar. All right. Maybe you've got a shaving cut if you're a bloke. Maybe if you're a woman as well. I don't know. Um, forget your pen. Maybe you say, oh, I forgot my notepad. Can someone lend me a piece of paper? Or oh, I haven't got my pad. Put a dirty envelope out your pocket and write on that. Be unokay. Give other people a sense of superiority over you. Because that sense of superiority of their ego over yours, well, that will be very forgiving because they'll just feel better and they'll feel they're doing you a favor. They're better, you know, they're superior. They're dishing out favors to you. If you care about that, because let's face it, your job is to make sales if you can help these people. Why are you worried what they think? You know, you go home to a nice fat bank balance and you pay for your Sainsbury's and Tesco shopping. You've got what you want. They've got what they want. The only thing that's a problem for you is your ego. Grow up. And we we really walk our talk here. I mean, for those that are watching on YouTube, have a look at John right now. He's got no shame in turning up, you know, with a, a wonky beard. Dirty old cat. <laughs> with a wonky He's still, what? A, a wonky beard. You, I mean, you shave it wonky on purpose, beard is not wonky. You? Is it? I, I, th- I thought you did it like that on purpose. Like what? Wonky. It's not wonky, is it? No. <laughs> this is the great no, thing about wonky. being autistic. Here's the great thing about being autistic. I can't tell if people are winding me up or not. Uh, it's not wonky, not wonky, just a good little wind up. W- one of the other things you'll learn as well, when you you put your prices up, you start putting together these uh, choreographed sales processes from lead to sell. You can actually see what's fucking working and, and what's not working. Too many people are too scared to get out there and market themselves and actually then measure the effectiveness of their market. So they, they much rather, oh no, I'd much rather, you know, just get referrals and Wing it. update my, my sales website and just... I just, I just take what comes, I does. That's what we well, hear. Bollocks. It, it, you need to be knowing fucking how good your scripts are. Well, here's the thing you say. Imagine imagine this, and you know, you're right, it is fear. Because imagine if you have a choreographed, scripted, well, it's a framework, not a script, because it's not verbatim. It's a framework that directs your conversation, the sales process from beginning to end. So you always know where you are. You always know what the next step is. And the most important of all, you always know when to say stop. This isn't going any further, all right? Imagine if you've got a process like that. Well, what does that reveal to you? The most scary thing that can reveal to you, what I'm doing doesn't work. Well, it's not so scary that it doesn't work, and that's why you're not making any money. That that's that's scary enough, but you know it anyway because you're not got enough money. What's really really scary about that is I've got to do something different. That's really fucking terrifying to most people because it might mean oh I've got to start to learn to sell, and I don't want to do that. So it's much better to use stuff like social media marketing, which is completely unmeasurable, untraceable, untrackable. All right, you can't attribute sales to any of it really, but it's comfortable because hey, it's it's just me being raw and authentic and raw and vulnerable. It's nonsense. It doesn't work. Nothing like people say it does. I've proven this with a little video last week. Also, again, back to the ego. 
is if you if you and everyone should be doing this little, little spreadsheet just of all your touch points with all your prospects uh, when you have your sales meeting with them and did you close them that will give you your your close percentage it will show you how well you move people from being a lead into actually having a sales conversation so this many people put their hands up and i managed to get this many into a sales conversation that gives you a percentage that's essentially almost a score out of 100 on how efficient you are and then from that you have um you've got them in the sales meeting you have the sales meeting did you close them that then gives you another number People are scared of that number. They're, they're, they're terrified of seeing that 10% and revealing how bad they actually are at sales. They don't want to realize that I've got to talk to 10 people to make a sale. So that means I really need to tighten something up somewhere and make this system a little bit more efficient because they enjoy talking to people. It's the, the confusion of activity and achievement all over again, isn't it? It is. I remember talking to a bloke a little while ago. He actually joined us, but he was telling me on the one hand, yeah, if, if my conversion rate when I sit in front of a client is about 30 or 40%. And then we went through some numbers and, and if that was true, it'd been doing about like two or 3 million a year. And I said, but that, that doesn't, you know, these two things don't match up. You're obviously, I mean, he's not lying. I don't think he was lying to me. He was deceiving himself because he didn't have a measurable process. And we all do it. I mean, take it to its very simplest. Research has shown rich children if you, ask to, if you ask rich children to estimate the size of a 50p piece, rich children or the children of rich families always assume it to be smaller than poor children. It's that simple. We overinflate what we don't have enough of. <laughs> we always think we've got enough time. We, we overestimate our abilities. More than half of drivers would mark themselves as better than average. Yeah, <laughs> including no, me. Mm, that is I mean, from a legal point of view, no, I'm not. I break the law all the time. But I, I think from a legal point of view, I'm 0.01 percent. What the bottom end? You mean? No, top, top, bollocks, bollocks, top. No points. You, know, you do this, do you? Ne- you never cross your hands. You do this. That, hey, I'm wanking that steering wheel off with two hands <laughs> oh, at God. all times. I was, I, I used to steer with one hand. You know, the other hand's playing with myself. Anyway. What's the next thing? Second, so that, that's yeah. You need a choreograph system. This, this, if you can take this seriously, you know, let's do it properly. Let's not wing it. So here's what you do: simply put together a framework of all the things that you want to know from every time you have a conversation with a prospect, whether it's the initial phone call, whether you're going into people's houses and making a presentation there, whether you're doing it over the phone, for every touch point you have with prospects, have a framework to follow. That simple. Two is start implementing some form of tracking. Get comfortable with the idea that you may, well, first recognize how many meetings you have to have in order to make a sale. At the end of the day, sales is just a game of numbers and math. And then we play around with the numbers and the math to make you more money. So put together some frameworks, put together some tracking, and please, for the love of God, know your your close rate. On the triage calls, just before we wrap up, I I ask them, how much money do you want to make? How much money do do you want to make? You know, I ask where they're at and what they want to make. And okay, okay, and what's your average ticket price? Okay, and how many of those do you sell a month? Okay, and how many meetings have you had this month to sell that many? And often it's about a 10% close rate, often. That, that seems to be, and I, I say, you know, it's 10%. And they go, it's oh, a lot worse than I thought it was. And we've literally just done fag packet math. 
And I say, so in order for you to get your goal at your current close rate, you need to have this amount of meetings. And often it means they need to be having meetings all day, (laughs) every day to hit their goal. And I ask, so so what what are you can do about it now you know these numbers? And some of them say, well, I've got to get more meetings. <laughs> I'm like, I mean, that, no. that is one answer, to be fair. But it's not, it's not it's a wrong answer. not the best answer. No. So, that's... And the uh, second thing, then. Well, the second thing we want to talk about is um, your wonky beard. It's not my wonky beard. You know what's wonky? It's you that's wonky. Your fucking yeah. leg. So you're like... I have a wonky leg. He has a well, wonky uh, leg. <laughs> Uh, the other day I've got one leg that's about probably I don't know an inch and a half maybe shorter than the other so it's fairly significant when I walk and it means it feels like I'm constantly walking on stairs everywhere and it's a big bang every time I step down on my shorter leg because it's it's got to fall a longer distance it's not like a seamless walk you know most people when they walk it's seamless isn't it for me it's Seamless, nice and soft. Fwa bang. Seamless, nice and soft. Fwa bang. So I had to go on Amazon the other day, and uh, I had to order myself a new heel insert because I have a little heel insert to make the the leg similar length within the shoe. <laughs> and they were all marketed towards short people. You know, yeah, yeah, but they they were they were sold in packs of two. Yeah, they were sold in packs of two. Put these in both of your shoes. You'll be three inches taller. You'll be more confident. confident. <laughs> yeah, you'll be sexier, this, that, and the other. And I, I, I just couldn't bring myself to buy one of them. I didn't want that there on my go. digital footprint. I, I want a proper orthopedic one. I need to be able to peel the layers off. Ego. No, when I, not ego. When I had my physio tell me to get some inserts for my shoes to raise my heels because my Achilles tendonitis, she said, and you'll feel more confident. And I just started laughing. She says, why are you laughing? I said, if I get any more self-confident, they'll arrest me. I am, for anyone watching this or listening to it even who's never met me, I am really short. I'm five foot five, just under five foot five. It has absolutely never been a problem for me, except in the supermarkets and the news agents reaching the top shelf. I just don't care. So I see these ads for short people's inserts. And all the ads are aimed at short guys feeling more confident, getting better looking girls. I've had loads of girlfriends much taller than me. It's honestly, I just don't understand why people get so fucking upset about it. Honestly, I used to know a guy who was five foot three, right? And he was going to go and pay to go to Russia and have that operation where they actually cut your bone and then they stretch it apart and the bone ends grow together and they keep stretching it. And you can put about an inch and a half to two inches on your height. He was going to do that. I just thought, why? What's the fucking point? <laughs> yeah, well, why go really? from five three to five four and a half? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. But I mean, I could go from five five to five seven. But why would I bother? I just don't care. When you're that short, you're short regardless. You're fucked. Like it's uh, yeah, like putting a wet paper towel on a on a fucking amputated leg. You're saying it in a way as an as like trying to insult me. I don't care. Why would I? Honestly. it'd be pointless that's why you wouldn't but but it'd be pointless anyway (laughs) i just don't understand it i used to be a fucking nightclub doorman for god's sake never stopped me doing anything if you could take a magic pill that makes you you're six foot one would you take it no why what would be the point 
so you can reach I'd have to buy all my own shelf. new clothes and shit. Then, I, then I'd bang my head when I walk through doors. And why would I bother? I just don't get it. Honestly, I'm confused. <laughs> but you, you still keep those size five feet of yours. So you're six one with these absolutely baby feet. <laughs> Where for some you walk on the beach, you sink into the sun like a tent peg. <laughs> you're just constantly falling over. <laughs> So when, when you finally get the courage to put your prices up, what's the next logical thing that you're going to face? Well, now you've got top prices, you're going to start getting price objections. And this is where some people fold like a fucking pack of cards. Someone goes, oh, that's a bit expensive. And it's the first ever time they've bloody heard it. And all of a sudden they come back and they say, they comment on our adverts, they comment on our book and they comment on this, that and the other. And they say, you told me to put my prices up. And someone said, that's expensive. What the fuck? What the fuck? I'm going to lower my prices and offer a discount immediately. That's not what you do. What we're going to talk about now is how to overcome common price objections. Because if, you, if you're charging premium fees, you're going to be faced with them. So caveat, the worst thing to do is back down, get scared and offer a discount to secure the work, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. That's, that's absurd. Here's the thing. I mean, let me again some more caveats. Really, if you're selling your, if you're marketing yourself properly, you know, an effective marketing for premium services and products starts right on the front end. It, it, you know, this stuff should run through your business like Brighton runs through a stick of rock. It's not something you plaster on at a certain stage. You suddenly introduce it. You know, it's like Rolls Royce. Rolls Royce is quality right from the the get go. Maserati is quality right from the get-go. A Hermes bag, I don't know whether it's quality or not, I've got, but it's expensive. But it, it, it's exclusivity from the get-go. You know, probably for, to the point where you can't just walk into the shop. You probably have to be let in, that kind of thing. So this stuff starts at the beginning. That's, that's one caveat. And the other thing is you don't really overcome a price objection because often price objections are nothing of the sort. Here's a typical thing. That's expensive. That's not a price objection. That's a statement of fact. Well, rather, that's a statement of opinion. It doesn't mean no. No, absolutely. Look, I mean, here's something on that topic. Here's something you need to understand. If someone is talking to you about your product or service and they are discussing the price in any way, shape or form, it doesn't mean they don't want it. Right? Because if it did, they wouldn't be talking to you anymore. What it you I mean there's various things here, but often what it used what it means is they want what you're selling, they just haven't quite seen the reason for paying that much money for it yet. So that's a good thing. And sometimes it's utter bullshit. So right, it's a, a genuine example to illustrate the point from one of my clients. He had a guy come to him and say, "I want to buy like a it was a larger number of headsets, about hundred or something." I can get them for £35 on this website. You're selling them for £55. What can you do about the price? And he went, oh, shit, what do I do? I want to sell 100 headsets. It's a lot of money. And I said, well, you tell him to go to that website and buy them for £35 then. And he said, why? Are you insane, McCulloch? So I said, well, the reason is, if he could get them for £35 and that was important to him, he wouldn't be talking to you about it. He'd be doing it. There is something about you and your service. I don't know what it is. I don't really care either. But there is something that's keeping him with you and saying, I want your quality, your product, your service, and their price. 
Now, maybe they didn't actually have the headsets in stock. You know, it's easy to sell something cheap when you don't have it, all right? Maybe they didn't want to sell to him. Maybe they couldn't deliver in time. Maybe they have some weird kind of payment thing, like they need cash, and he hasn't got the cash. He wants credit terms. I don't, I don't know. But the fact is, if he could get them for £35 a piece, and that was important to him, he would be there getting them and not asking my client for a discount. So I says to him, just tell him no, go to the website. So the next thing he knows is they put in this order. They didn't even come back and reply to him. They just put in the order at £55 a piece. Well, that is the point, really. Often when people are seeming to object, they're not objecting at all. They're just trying it on. And especially in construction, you'll find they'll be there, poised above the contract. Literally, this has happened. And they'll look at you and they'll say, oh, I'm not too sure about this. Is there something we can do about the price? And you go, oh, yeah, I'm sure. Not a couple of grand off. No, no. You say, well, yeah, what we can do about it is I can put the price up or you can put the pen down and I can leave. Or you can sign it. Those are the three options. Which one is it going to be? <laughs> you know, and often they go, ha, 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 very funny. And just sign. Yeah. You know? They just chance it. it. People love the game as well. Some people thrive off, like they make it their their personality to try and get little discounts everywhere because they think they're, they're smarter than everyone. You, you see it at restaurants all the time. You know, they pretend to not enjoy the food and they're like, oh, it wasn't that great. Um maybe there's something we can do about the price. And they're just chucking banana skins. And if you choose to fall for their trap, you've think of it like this. They've they've looked you in the eyes. They've pulled a banana skin out of their pocket. Uh, in fact, no, they've pulled a whole banana out. They've peeled it and they've eaten it. Making eye contact. It's pretty weird. Then they drop the banana skin on the floor and they say, do you want to slip on that? And most people in this scenario, they go, yeah, I want to slip on that banana skin. And they tread on it and they fall on their ass and they go, that was good, wasn't it? At least I got the work. No, you fucking dingbat. If you got them that far, them throwing these banana skins that don't mean no. The only thing that means no is no. So stop interpreting these statements as no. As John says, when they say things like, oh, can we do something about the price? Well, yeah, we can put it up. When you're putting in a quote, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we we don't we we we're not advocates of quotes, but we know a lot of people that listen to this do a lot of quoting, and they do a quote in someone's house and they hand it over and they go, "Well, that's a lot more than the the builder down the road." Just say, "And yeah, is it?" And <laughs> yeah, why do you think that is? And sometimes more- they'll say. I don't know. And sometimes it's a, it's an opportunity to sell them on the value, especially if you say, why do you think that is? Sometimes they start selling themselves. Well, they'll, they'll say, well, you've got a nicer van and you are more professional and you actually do turn up on time when he was he was late and cancelled our appointment five times. He, he's actually really unreliable, but you've been here on time every time. And perhaps you're more expensive because you seem to have far more product knowledge and a far, a far bigger range of options. And all of a sudden they start selling themselves into you. And you go, well, that's why I'm more expensive. If you want to push that one, when they say something like, that's more than I wanted to pay, or that's expensive, or you're very pricey, you're more than anyone else, you can, again, look them in the eye if you want to. I don't always do it because I don't like making eye contact too much. But you can just say, yes, you're right. We are the most expensive builder, the most expensive whatever coach, um, whatever you are, consultant. We are the most expensive um, in our niche. And I'll, let me tell you why that is. Are you interested why that is? Well, then you're inviting them to ask you to tell them why you're so good. It's an opportunity. 
Mm-hmm. Now, you've got to remember this, people. All right, Selling yourself cheap doesn't help. Ignoring a price objection won't work. And worse still is arguing about it. You're very expensive. No, we're not. <laughs> well, that ain't going to work, you know. So it's far better to say, yes, we are fairly pricey, but there's a good reason for that. Do you mind if I tell you what that is? Now, if you want to get really technical with this with people, and you can do, I would use different words, otherwise it can sound very 1970s. You know, people want free things from any kind of service or product. And that is they want the best quality. They want their product or the service to do the job better than anything else. You know, they want the Rolls Royce or the Maserati or whatever. Second thing they want is they want great service. They want to go to the fucking Ritz. Okay, they want to be treated like royalty. They want to be the most important thing in that fucking service provider or product provider's world. So they want great quality and great service. And they all want it at the lowest price. Well, you can tell people you can have any two. But no one can deliver all three. And if they tell you they can, they're either lying, mistaken, uh, or (laughs) they're a lot better at this than I am. So I suggest you go with them. Now, if you ask people, which one do you want? You want shit service? Do you want shit quality product and service? Uh, you know, the quick, a shit quality result, or do you want a low price? Which one do you? Which one are you most prepared to give up? No, most people will give up the low price. Like me, what do you want, John? Do you want great service with your eyes? Do you want a great result at the end of it, or do you want to give up a low price? No, it's fine. I just want a low price. I don't care if you fucking tear my eyeballs apart and I get infected and it doesn't work. I just want a low price, please. Often as well, when you're in a specialty service, high price on its own just signifies that you're better, that you're going to do a better bit expensive. of work. Reassuringly expensive. That's what we want to hear. You want if, if everyone's saying yes to you, you've got an issue on your hands. You want to be welcoming. You, you want to hear price objections. One, so you can resell them on the value, but two, it shows you that you're on that sweet spot. If people are going an um and an iron over your price, and then they still say yes, that, that's a sure sign that you've got your pricing pretty spot on. Yeah, I, I want to be, the, with our pricing, this is for our business, I want about 20% of people to be saying to me, no, can't afford it, too expensive. Yeah, fine. off the bat. I don't argue with people. I mean, there are some, let, let's, let's be very clear about this as well. You know, selling is neither good nor bad. It's neither moral nor immoral. It can be done immorally or morally. Now, I am not someone who... And, and there are people who do this, and I, I could name names, but I won't. But there are people who will encourage you to put it on credit cards, to sell things you already have. Well, let's have a look around. You have to see what we can find. Do you have pensions you can cash in? I, I wouldn't do that. It's not me. All right. There's one person. There's one person who encourages people to tell their clients it's okay to put it on a credit card, and then if you go bankrupt, we will honour our side of the contract. Uh, you won't have to pay it back to the credit card company because um, you're bankrupt and Visa or MasterCard or whoever will will end up picking up the tab. That's actually called fraud. All right. Again, I wouldn't do anything like that. That's just obscene. It's just disgusting. So we, we're very ethical. Um, but, you know, we we would not encourage people to get into debt to buy our services and our products. So when people tell me they can't afford it, I, I take, tend to take it at face value, although I do ask the question. Well, okay, look, you've told me for the last hour or so that you've got this burning problem and you've said you'd do anything to solve it. Now you're telling me 
you're not making enough money, you can't afford it. And you're going to come back to us because they always say, I'll come back to you when we can afford it. I say, well, are you, what are you going to keep doing? What you've been doing to get you to where you are now? What's going to change to suddenly get you making more money so you can afford to pay us? And apart from anything else, if you if you if that if that happens, if you change your business, all of a sudden you can afford to pay us, you won't need us anymore <laughs> because you'd have done, you'd have solved the problem. You know, it's almost like if you can afford core control easily, you probably don't need core control unless you've maybe come into some money, you've sold a house, you've uh, been left money by a, a rich parent or. Um, Something like that. That that's a different matter. But for most people who are kind of in this feast and famine cycle, or the hitting this glass ceiling of sales, you're going to have to stretch yourself to put to work with us. If you don't have to stretch yourself to work with us, you probably don't need us in the first place. You just don't. You know, it's like going to the gym. If you're lean and fit and healthy and dead strong, you don't need to go to the gym to get to to be those things. You just need to maintain them. Well, they're two different programs, I'm afraid, and diets, you know. So, now, John, the most exciting part of the episode. The bronze community. Dun, dun, dun. We got a question that Holly, the little fucking, forgot to give us last week. From Spanner. I didn't Spanner. raise her properly, did I? No. Honestly, John, you should be ashamed of yourself. I'm going to beat her with a stick when I see her. So, (laughs) please do. So, Mr. Joe Horton. Joe has a question saying, right, once you've identified your ideal client avatar and uh, they've accepted the connection request on LinkedIn, how long should you wait to shoot them a, a direct message? And what is a good approach to take? if you don't want to come across as spammy McSpam-faced. Okay. The, the optimum time is precisely 13 minutes and 42 and a half seconds. That's a joke, by the way. I would say there is no right time. And if there is, I would defy anybody to know what it is. And Connor has got someone else in the room. I'm guessing it's probably Tamsin. Yes, Tamsin is in the room and she's looking rather stressed. <laughs> well, mind you, I would be stressed if I was dealing with you, to be fair. So there is, I mean, to say what is the right time, what's the best time, nobody actually knows. I would say probably the best time, or it's certainly, I can think of reasons for it being the best time, is right at the beginning. So what I mean by that is have a decent connection request. In core control, We actually have examples of the connection requests we have used. I can't remember if they're in the book, The Well-Fed Freelancer or not. Probably not. But our welcome message, and we've tested several of these, are along the lines of, hi, I'm Fred. Um, This is what I do. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn to do business, not to make best friends and chew the fat or get engagement. Um, Most people in your industry have this problem. I've got a free book you can download to help you solve it. No pitch, no sale, whatever, no, no, no strings. What are, you know, along those lines. So my connection request is immediately positioning me as I'm here to do business. Here's something free to help you. There are no strings attached. Download it. Now, of course, you would probably get rejected by many people with that request, which is why most people won't do it. But that's not spam. 
All right, spam, people misunderstand the word spam. Spam is actually unsolicited commercial email. Okay, sending someone a connection request with that kind of modifier in it is not spam. It might not generate, it might not resonate well with them. They might get pissed off about it. They might think you all kinds of things, but it's not spam. You only have 300 characters, by the way, in your connection message. So please be, you know, it's quite some work to get it right or to get it good. Now, the other side of the coin is when people connect with me, I have a reply that basically says, I'm here to, thanks for the connection request. You've got no idea what you're letting yourself in for. Um, there are three ways to get my help, whatever. Download this book. Just play around with it. But my point is that the actual wording isn't that important and you can change it and just test it and the rest of it. But what is important is right from the get-go, you are offering people uh, a taste of who you are, what you do and what you're about. You know, we say we say this quite openly. We try to get a no as early as possible because if I sit down or get on a call with someone, probably eight out of ten are going to say no. That's fine. You know, eight out of ten inquiries rather go nowhere. So the sooner I get a no, the better. So there's no better time to get a no than writing my connection request or in there my my reply to their connection request. You've connected with me. Well, this is me. This is what I'm doing. If you don't like it, fuck off again. You know, effectively. So Joe, that's my answer to that question. And Joe has also shared a little win. He put out his £5 ebook slash membership bundle late yesterday to LinkedIn, the mailing list, and he got his first sale. That first sale of a, a, a new product, a new ebook, that's like a big hit of heroin, that is. But the best part is, is um, he got a reply to his first daily email. His first daily email he sent to his list someone replied to it and said, yeah, let's do it. Let's work together. Right. That is excellent. Although, remember what I said, Joe, the worst kind of prospect is an enthusiastic one. That person said, yes, let's work. Yes, let's work together. But stop. Say no. Steady on, Tiger. I don't even know who you are or what you're doing. What help do you need and why do you think I can offer it to you? Because any other response, like, yeah, this sounds great, let's work together, you've got no fucking idea what you're saying yes to. You don't know what his problems are. He doesn't know how much you're going to charge for it. You don't know what kind of person he is or anything else. So that's a great response. And, you know, it's, I'm glad you've got it. And it is, it's positive and it's indicative that it may go somewhere. But you've got to remember, treat them mean to keep them keen. You've got to be standoffish. And the more enthusiastic a prospect or a client is, the more standoffish and the more no you have to be. You know, I say about dating and marketing being the same thing because they're co-opted on the same brain structures. This is the same as that. Nothing's more off-putting to, you know, in, your, in the mating rituals, in the mating dance, nothing's more off-putting than someone who is constantly messaging, constantly phoning, okay? And you know that as soon as, as soon as you like, maybe you're, you're sending them a WhatsApp and you see them come online and you see them waiting. And as soon as you send it, the, it goes blue and you know they're just waiting for your message. And then it comes back instantly. There's nothing more off-putting than any of that. Yeah? Keep a bit of mystery. What, what girls call that is uh, they say that gives them, sorry. They, they say behavior like that gives them the yick. I-C-K. Yeah, I, I get it. The ick. 
And if you ask them to describe what it is, they can't. They just say it gives me this dirty feeling that puts me off them. Just I know icky. what the I can I can sense what the ick probably feels like. I remember years. I'm, I'm going back thirty years now. I had a girlfriend. You know, I was a, I was away on business for a week in Geneva, and when I got back, the guy who was lodging with me says, uh, "What's her name?" I think it was Tracy, actually. <laughs> Seriously, no, it wasn't Tracy. Sorry to any Tracys listening. She she was apparently driving up and down my street on her little scooter, looking in my window slowly to see if I was back yet. And I told her I wasn't back for a week. Now, this was before I didn't have a mobile phone at the time. So this was before mobile phones were popular, certainly before smartphones. So there was no instant message or WhatsApp or anything like that, not even SMS. Um, So it wasn't like she could check up on me otherwise, but she was driving up and down my road to see... Terry, that was her name, Teresa. Um, driving up and down my road on a scooter to see if I was there. That gave me the ick and I dumped her. Mm, yeah, that, just, that's pretty icky. Yeah. Talking about icky and looking out for yourself, um, we posted a clip into the group not long ago about uh, selfishness and how it's a virtue and how you must be prioritizing looking after yourself, even if it's deemed, quote unquote, selfish. And... Um, Fortunately, everyone agreed. Everyone said, agree, 100%. Uh, we all need to be taking care of ourselves. But someone asked, is that selfishness? I think of it more as self-care. And then when someone else said, they also said 100%. There's a lot of 100% in there uh, talking about putting themselves first, figuring out their priorities, and uh, just fucking getting it done. But that's good. It's good that no one disagreed because uh, then we'd have some issues. We'd have to be looking at our messaging. <laughs> we don't. We, we we like an echo chamber, John. We don't want people to question us. It's fortunate people agree. I don't give a shit they agree or not. It means we're attracting the right sort of people. And yes, then you had does. a little chat with. Uh, yeah, I just got to explain it. And you had a little discussion with old Patty, didn't you, about A/B testing tools? Oh yes. Well, so I didn't if, really have a discussion. I just told him to use the Google ones because you might as well. I have no, no ex- other than the th- ones in Thrive, I have no experience. I have no recent experience with any A-B testing tools other than Thrive's native ones. So if I hadn't got those, I would probably go with Google's because Google's stuff is pretty cool. Yeah, it is. And the only reason I'm bringing this up is to, to invite you, the listeners, to join us in the community. There's actually a little bit of life in there now since we've started giving it a bit of a TLC. Uh, people sharing their wins, people getting help uh, with the questions. As you can see, we answer them here on this podcast and we actually answer them in the group. John answers the A-B testing question in the group. Uh, and we're having conversations prompted from this podcast. We just lift uh, some of our favorite clips from the podcast. We put it in the group and we have a little discussion about it. If you want to get involved in that, it's not free, but it is just £5. At the moment, the only way in is to go to thewellfedfreelancer.com and get yourself a copy of the book for a fiver. So even if you're not a freelancer, because we don't exclusively work with freelancers, go to the Wellfed Freelancer, get yourself a copy of the book and enjoy the membership site. There's a shit ton of courses, programs, all free and ready available to you once you've bought the book and you can get your slice of the fun. For five quid. With a double yeah, money we, back plus a pizza guarantee. We would give it away for free. And we often do, but that's under our control. But the reason we do it at Fiverr is we don't want dickheads in there. It's going to sound awful, but I'm sure we've all been part of groups and Facebook groups and whatnot that looked really bloody promising. 
then all of a sudden they start growing. And because it's free, any cunt joins. Now, all of a sudden, the conversation and the quality of the group just tanks. And it's a place you never want to be. And you end up leaving. And then you're lost. You're alone. You're lonely. You're cold. And then you end up on, you end up hanging off the edge of a bit of rope, off the edge of a bridge. That's not what we want. We want to keep the conversation quality high. On that topic, this is this is actually true. Um, Connor will remember this. We were a part of a very high-end mastermind probably a couple of years ago now. And it was very it was very good. And the guy who runs it, his integrity and the rest of it is unimpeachable. But they changed their model to the to one one where you could join and I think you didn't start paying until you got results with them. Yeah, like I, know, that was I don't a know if there's a time limit on that, but yeah. it was, you know, you work with them for free for some period of time and you didn't have to pay unless you got results. And very, very quickly, the quality of the people in the group went right fucking downhill to the point we left because it became full of freeloaders and whiners and people with the most appalling entitlement attitude. Desperate and people. there's a cautionary tale. Now, when you're charging a high rate and everyone's paying a high rate to be in a group, you don't get assholes like that. When you drop your prices to the point you're giving it away for free as a taster to give value, you start getting fucking assholes. Do you remember that, Connor? I do. I do. We won't, we won't mention why... the guy. No, we, we love the guy. I, I think Absolutely. he's solid. And his work is superb. Yeah, top, top, top stuff. Um, I remember that clearly. And it's why we're very selective over Elite. Um, more selective over elite than any other any anything else that we offer because it's personal we're in a room with people and the rule of thumb is if i can't if me nor john would be happy sat at the bar with you for an evening having a few beers we wouldn't let you in yeah just the two of us and not me and john me and whoever this is or john and whoever this prospect is we wouldn't let them in because they're just going to ruin the group the other reason that the that group that we were a part of went downhill is you could smell the desperation on these people. They've been obviously been given a month or two to get results. So they were just <laughs> filling this group up with just the most desperate questions going. They weren't going th- through the program slowly. They weren't, you know, devouring every last bit, processing it and then implementing it. It was all done from fear and desperation because they're like, oh my God, I've got this opportunity. I need to make a sale within this month. Otherwise, they're going to kick me out and I'm going to be poor. I'm going to be a failure. So they weren't even watching the fucking videos that they were supposed to watch. They were just going great straight to the group going, I need a client this month. Help me, guys. And we're like, hang on a fucking minute. We're, we're paying like, what was it, like 26 grand for the year to be part of this? Something like that. That was dollars. So it was yeah, about 20K, yeah. UK. About 20K. <laughs> and it was just like, oh my God, let, let's get out of here. Because the, the main reason we were enjoying it was the community. Everyone was so high level. We were one yeah, of the poorest right, people in the group, which was like, oh my God, this is eye-opening. This is embarrassing. That's how we high level this We went to Los Angeles. Was. Yeah. We even went to LA, didn't we? And these desperate people, they came in and guess what? We no longer felt like small fish. Like this is the first time in a while we smelled like small fish, which was great motivation to grow. All of a sudden, these little fucking krill, that's what they were. They were krill. And we became a whale and we just absorbed them all. And then we felt like Billy Big Bollocks and was like, nah, enough for us. What really did it for me was this one guy came in asking, asking questions and advice. And then he put it all together into a book and offered the first chapter for free to the other members of the group that had just helped him get this book right and said, if you want the full, if you want the rest of it, it's like $15. And I remember posting 
in reply to that, I said, are you seriously asking the very people who've just helped you get this right to pay you for your book in this group? Are you serious? And I thought then, I don't want anything to do with this anymore. Yeah, that's... That's scummy. Imagine, imagine, in Elite. Bear in mind, <laughs> everyone in Elite at some point goes on to write a book. I've, I've, I've still got all of the old ones from fucking years ago. No, I've I, got, have, like, I have on my, my fucking... Uh, imagine, case, John. Yeah. Imagine, John. Someone writes a book in Elite, and they they say to the other members, <laughs> "Oh, you have to buy a copy." No, when you write your book, you turn up to that fucking meeting with like twenty <laughs> signed copies to hand out. Imagine it, it'd be worse if they've sat in a hot seat and been told exactly how to write the book, and then at the next meeting, come back and expect people to buy it, having been told how to write it in their hot seat three months before. I, I'd kick them out. I'd tell them to leave. Yeah, <laughs> that won't be. But, but they, they wouldn't even get in. Anyway, no, they wouldn't. This is a good episode, but it's a long one, as the actress said to the bishop. Yeah, well, we want the longer episodes because uh, we're, we're uploading shorter clips. The longer episodes, people like us, John. They think we're funny for some reason. So. No, they're like me. They think you're a wonky legged millennial. They told me, and they think you're a, a, an old man who stumbles over his words, going, "I think, I think, I think, I think, I'll say, I'll say, I'll say." <laughs> I'm sorry, sorry. I'll say, How's your skincare routine, say. Connor? How's your shaving routine, wonky wo- wonk face? Hang on a minute. No, no, no. Don't try and change the topic. How's your skincare routine? Beautiful. Guys, if, if you <laughs> want to look at my skin, go on YouTube, yeah? The funny thing is, John's trying to take the piss out of me. Look, I'm glowing. I'm beautiful. Look at John. Fucking tomato. <laughs> tomato. <laughs> With a wonky beard. With a wonky wit. Well, yeah, as I said, we, 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 we're the living examples of what we preach. And <laughs> yeah. you, you have no worries being disheveled, mate. No, none at all. It's a credit to you, honestly. <laughs> You're not going to upset me. You wanker! <laughs> oh, God. If I could upset you, I don't think we'd be friends. I, oh, God. No. That's another thing. I can't be friends with people that I feel like I've got to tread on eggshells no. with. Right, should we get on to the final point and then we can wrap this insanity up? This loops back perfectly to the beginning. Prospects don't want a low price. John, what do they want more than a low price? I'll tell you what, ultimately, never mind they, they want quality, they want service. You know what they actually want? They want someone to take care of them and to relieve them of their pain. That's, that's fundamentally it. They want to know whatever their problem is, it doesn't matter whether it's getting a girlfriend, being taller, um, having better eyesight, having a better business, having a nicer home so they don't have what they call house embarrassment or that kind of thing. Whatever they want, they want a, a, a cessation of their pain and their frustration, their, their worry and their anxiety, and they want someone to take them by the hand and lead them through the minefield to get to where they need to be. That's what they want. They want to be taken care of. It, fe- it feeds into our natural human propensity to believe in God. God's going to look after us. You know, our parents are going to look after us. There is someone out there, government, who's going to take care of us and make everything okay. That's what people want, Mm -hmm. fundamentally. Look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and you won't really go far wrong. And that's why one of the things we teach is extreme ownership. We've been talking about that way, 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 way long before it hit the mainstream with uh, Mr. Jocko Willick, I do believe. Willing, yes, absolutely, yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah, talking about it in elite hot seats when people, I don't want to say pissing and moaning, but they're wailing. They're, they're, they're feeling a little bit down on their luck, and they go, Phew. and we say, well, you can cry all you like, 
but you might not even be there. As a, yeah, it, it's, it, the, the, these problems are not a direct action of uh, your a direct result of your actions, but it is your responsibility to fix it. What I can't stand, and going slightly off topic, is people who moan about their staff. Everything oh, it, your staff it, does like, is your fault. It's like people who moan about their children's behaviour, especially young children, or or their their, sp- their spouses. Mm. You know, I've said this in Elite. This is a conversation you should be having with your wife, stroke husband, not with me. Yeah. What is the point in you coming to Cork and complaining about your wife or your husband? And and you've just told me you've not had this conversation with with him or her already. Why are you bothering me with it? Now that might seem like it's uncaring, but it's absolutely spot on. This isn't a conversation you need to be having with me. You need to be talking with the person that's giving you the fucking anxiety and the worry and the grief, not me. But unfortunately, and uh, fortunately for you as a business owner, unfortunately for the world, unfortunately most people don't want to take extreme ownership of things. They're looking for someone else to take ownership of it for them. So if you, as the expert, come in and you've got a well-crafted signature offer that takes them from A to B, where they are and where they want to be, and you map out all the obstacles and how you're going to help them overcome it, and you talk of this wonderful life they're going to have, and you talk about their problems going away forever, that's what prospects really want. At that point, price barely comes into it. They just need to know what number to put in their banking app. It's no longer a topic of conversation. Prospects just want to be taken care of. It's the umbilical cord, isn't it? Umbilical, I was just going to say, it's the umbilical cord in the hand and they just want to plug it into you. And here's another thing, right? If, if you, don't, you don't, you might tell me you don't like selling, but if you don't sell to prospects and you just, just like let them go away empty-handed, they won't go away and do nothing. They'll probably give their money to someone else in your industry who might not even be as good as you at doing what you do, but is better at selling themselves. Mm-hmm. And uh, you need to bear in mind that everything that you're doing is essentially sales. Every time you're asking someone to take an action, you're essentially selling them on the benefit of taking that action, whether it's opting into a lead magnet, whether it's getting in touch to talk about that conservatory, whether it's inviting you into their home to have a little bit of look at the details so you can spec it out whether it's you're asking them for a yes or no to go ahead with the works. All of those things require sales. And a big part of sales is being able to paint a picture of their nirvana, what it will look like once you've helped them solve all of their problems and all of the little little obstacles that they're going to face. People don't give a shit about a low price. John's going blind. He'll, He'll give you all the money in his bank account to save his eyesight. Yeah, Connor's got wonky leg. He'll pay anything for a fucking wedge for his shoe. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Is that it? We done? I think we are, mate. I think we are. Can you do a little outro just promoting Elite and telling them where to go if they want to get on the wait list? Yeah, Elite, we're opening the doors uh, April the 3rd. It's, we will take applications because it is application only. It's a two-stage process. Interview with Connor, then interview with me. Then we'll make you an offer if you're suitable, at which point you will say yes or no. Um, anything but a yes or no is a no, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, we will be conducting interviews from that week, the 3rd of April. So the time to get on the waiting list is now. 
um, and we'll be taking people in the order in which they book their calls, basically. So the sooner you get in, the sooner we'll get to you to offer you a call with Connor, and the sooner we offer you a call with Connor, the sooner you get a call with me. There are just four places available. Now, applying for it is no guarantee of being offered a place. If we do turn you down, do turn you away, just remember, please, it is probably not personal. It might be, but it's it's mostly likely because you're just not a fit financially or temperamentally or your business isn't a good fit. All right. But once those four places are gone, we'll be closing the doors again, probably until, uh, well, probably this time next year or certainly January the 1st, 2024. So you need to go to wellfedbusiness.com forward slash elite dash wait list. All one word, wait list. Um, follow the simple on screen instructions and we'll be in touch and on. Oh, yeah. And the calls with us are free, by the way. Yeah. So that's, that's wellfedbusiness.com forward slash elite dash waitlist. And on that page is uh, like 15 bullet points essentially explaining how it works and uh, how we hold you accountable, how essentially the mechanics of being part of elite. And you know, then the there's also, there. more importantly, a description of the type of person you must be to even join the waitlist. That's probably the most important part. So that's wellfedbusiness.com forward slash elite dash waitlist. We've been wonderful. You've been listening. And we'll smell you later, alligators. Going to say bye? Bye, boys and girls.